Hello and welcome to your Active Zagrifoot Brief. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Foot. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from your Active's Agrifoot team. As Germany takes over the reins of the rotating presidency, German Agricultural Minister Julia Klockner laid out her priorities for the German presidency in the field of agri-food this week where she highlighted that the common agricultural policy negotiations was a key focus alongside animal welfare labelling, an EU-wide nutritional label and digitalisation to make rural areas fit for the future. Speaking at the Committee on Agriculture and Rural Development, Klockner also highlighted the lessons learned from the coronavirus pandemic, emphasising a need to make the EU food system more resilient in the face of unexpected knocks. She said that the aim is to create proper conditions to ensure that our agriculture is stable and resistant to crisis, stressing the need for free movement of food and workers for a functional food supply. On the CAP negotiations, Klockner put forward the idea of a stronger coupling of direct payments in the common agricultural policy with environmental measures in the attempt to close a dovetailing between the post-2020 CAP and the EU's new food policy, the Farm to Fork Strategy. For Klockner, the CAP reform should orientate around five main focuses, maintaining the same income for direct payments across the EU, a much more ambitious and climate-friendly approach, a unified implementation of the CAP across the EU, more simplification and a preservation of the single market as the basis for any agriculture and food policy. However, she stressed that the CAP reform must not keep pressing farmers and putting them into an impossible situation, However, she admitted that her hands are tied on the timing of the CAP reform as progress depends heavily on the negotiations of the multi-annual financial framework. Another key theme of the German presidency is set to be animal welfare, which has already been a hot topic in EU policy over the last few months and in the Farm to Fork strategy. Klockner seems determined to continue this trend, emphasising that animal welfare is becoming more and more important for consumers and pushing for a standardised animal welfare label across the EU. Klockner also emphasised the need for an EU-wide nutritional label, saying that an extended nutritional labelling will help better guide consumers in their purchasing and for further measures to reduce food waste. Lastly, Klockner emphasised a focus on digitalisation, saying that this can help solve conflicts in farming and find solutions for problems. She stressed the digital transformation of the agricultural value chain is the future and that digitalization is key if we want to have a sustainable, economically profitable and sustainable agriculture in the EU. In other news, last week I sat down with the Health and Food Safety Commissioner Stella Kiriakides. We spoke about the Farm to Fork strategy, the EU's new food policy. And you can find the full interview on our website. But there are five uh, interesting aspects I would like to highlight from this interview, Uh, they're not in order of importance. Number one, you know that the strategy is made of targets. You have one for pesticide reduction, one for uh, the use of antibiotics, fertilizers, um, organic farming. And she said the targets are understandable, tangible and measurable. But Farm to Fork is about much more than targets which might seem obvious, but I think that even even the media sector put too much focus on the targets, uh, which of course are mm, divisive, while some other relevant aspects have been neglected. Uh, 
Number two, research and innovation will be key drivers and the EU will invest generously. So the EU's determination to become a global leader in sustainability will be matched by investments in solutions to deliver on the commitments set out in the strategy. Uh, that's what, what Kiriakid has told me. And number three, both the common agricultural policy and the common fisheries policy, its twin fund for fisheries, will remain key tools to support the transition to sustainable food system. So in the end, the farm to fork is a new strategy, but its implementation will pass through old policy. Number four, the farm to fork could have a short term impact on some sectors. And that's why it will go together with both financial and regulatory tools. She said that all uh, transitions have a cost, but in this case, the cost of inaction would be even greater for all of us. And number five, the EU will deploy diplomatic efforts to promote sustainability at the global level so that EU farmers are not disadvantaged uh, with, the, with the third party, the third country's farmers. And this is related to the external dimensions of the strategy. Um, for instance, in, in June, uh, agricultural ministers complained about the risk of asymmetries between new high demands on new producers and lower sustainable standards of imported products. We also had two other stories on the farm to fork this week. And one, I interviewed uh, some young farmers on what they expect from the strategy and if they're satisfied so far. The fact is that as a long-term strategy, the, the farm to fork will have considerable ramification on future generations, which can be seen as the true main recipients of the farm to fork. But this also means that young farmers will be asked to make the lion's share of the efforts uh, to put the strategy into action. And what Yannis Maes, uh, the president of the Young Farmers Associ Association, uh, the Conseil European des Jeunes Agriculteurs, told me is that uh, what young farmers need is a toolbox as broad as possible of uh, solutions to lead this transition. So the larger you make this toolbox, the easier it is for different types of farmers to find the right tools to do their part. That's what he told me. Of course, the, the, the reference is on, on um, many types of, of innovation, even uh, uh, new plant breeding techniques, for instance. But another interesting point is that um, when he told about the direction of the investments, which shouldn't be only uh, devoted to research and development, but also to the practical implementation of this uh, new breakthrough on the ground. As an example, he cited the newest heat detection technology that could offer livestock farmers the option to manage their herds more efficiently. But he said that this technology is very expensive, so farmers can't really afford it. And at the same time, there's a lack of knowledge too. Uh, and another thing he criticized is that it seems that from the strategy, the main way to bring improvements refers to land use. Uh, that's why the targets on, uh, for instance, fertilizers. And while 
the strongest barrier for young farmers, according to him, uh, is actually access to land. And lastly, uh, we had an interview with the a Greek MEP, uh, Petros Kokalis, who told us that precision farming practices, including uh, digital farming, are the best way to deliver the EU's strategic goals of being green, smart and safe, and should be part of the national recovery and resilience plans of all member states. So we're talking about the recovery fund that the European Commission proposed for the recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic, which is still under discussion and has to be approved by both member states and the European Parliament. And, and the, the key debates is actually expected um, this weekend uh, during the uh, European uh, Council. While the EU considers the potential role of new innovative techniques to protect harvests from pests and diseases, on the other side of the channel, the UK is getting ready to open the door to new gene editing technologies post-Brexit. Asked about the potential for biotechnology and gene editing in the farm-to-fork strategy, the EU's new flagship food policy, EU Health Commissioner Stella Kiriakides told Euraxa that the bloc needs to develop innovative ways to cope with its dependency on pesticides. The debate over biotechnology and innovation has been in the spotlight in Europe for a long time. But as Europe is wading through this discussion, there are signs that things are moving in this area across the channel, with a debate in the UK over the use of gene editing technology heating up with the introduction of an amendment to the UK Agricultural Bill. And this would offer Britain scientists and farmers access to new gene editing technologies. During the reading of the bill last week, a number of prominent members of the Lords offered their support for the technology, including Lord Gardiner of Kimball, the Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Rural Affairs and Biosecurity, who stressed that it is essential that robotics and genetics are able to offer their potential for agriculture, emphasising that innovation and technology are key to boosting productivity while enhancing the environment and feeding a growing world. But the move has sparked fierce opposition in the UK from environmental organisations who stress that the UK public do not have any appetite for GM. With soil health high on the EU policy agenda, Euractive spoke with US-based farmer Trey Hill about his innovative approach to farming to explore the potential of no-till agriculture, how the practice can contribute to the EU sustainability goals and how its uptake can be encouraged across the EU. Soil health is at the heart of the EU's New Green Deal and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, both of which aim to reduce biodiversity loss and pollution, reverse climate change and strive for a healthy environment with sustainable land use. However, according to a recent report released by the EU Commission's Mission Board for Soil Health and Food in June this year, soil degradation is prevalent and extensive in the context of the EU territory. It concluded that 25-30% to 30% of EU soils are currently either losing organic carbon, eroding or compacted, while 60-70% to 70% of EU soils were found to be unhealthy. The report adds that all of this is occurring on agricultural land. One way in which farmers are working to address these issues is via no-till agriculture. No-till or reduced-till agriculture is the practice of planting crops without tilling the soil, which is the conventional way of preparing the soil for planting by digging, stirring and turning it over. No-till farming is a key component of conservation agriculture. 
While tilling kills unwanted plants and allows for easier planting, conventional tilling is both costly and time-consuming and can also lower the quality of the soil, causing soil compaction and leading to soil erosion. Although no-till agriculture is practiced in the EU, its uptake is progressing more slowly in the EU than elsewhere and is found to be negligible in Northern Europe. For Trey Hill, a farmer in the USA who produces corn, wheat and soybean, his no-till system allows him to save money, fuel and labour costs while also maintaining yields, protecting soils, improving biodiversity, reducing chemical inputs and sequestering carbon. And our quote of the week this week comes from Julia Klöckner, German Minister for Agriculture. A strong Europe needs a strong agricultural policy, a common vision we need. There are a number of strategies. I think we have a lot of strategies and they must match and interconnect together. For example, the Green Deal. Um, the farm to fork strategy, the biodiversity strategy, the new orientation of the European Common Agricultural Policy. But these shouldn't just coexist with a little coordination, they must be interlinked. We must make sure that our farmers all over Europe are not overburdened with all the new requirements. Now for the agri-food news from the capitals this week, starting with Germany, where this week news broke that the Tonnes meatpacking plant has applied for the wage reimbursement from the government for the time that it was forced to shut its doors. This move has generated a wave of criticism as the factory was forced to close down after a massive COVID-19 outbreak, which infected more than 1,500 employees and put the district back into lockdown. Many point to the company's notoriously poor working and living conditions for its employees as a major reason behind the high level of infections. Agricultural Minister Julia Klockner showed little sympathy for the company, noting that the entire region was impacted by the closures. In Austria, the National Council has decided that its official feed inspections will be going entirely digital, following criticism from the European Commission on the frequency of errors. A 2018 EU audit report showed that the country's current paper-based procedures were prone to errors and led to inadequate inspection data. In France, during a live interview on France's Bastille Day on the 14th of July, French President Emmanuel Macron called for European food serenity. When asked about the Citizens' Convention for Ecological Transition, he spoke in favour of farmers saying that they are not the enemy of animal welfare and farming and of healthy food and saying that France's food is healthy and has an excellent agricultural model. He committed to building agricultural sovereignty, saying that currently France imports most of its proteins, but is able to produce them nationally and in Europe. In the UK, beef farmers have written to the government urging them to create a campaign to encourage restaurants, cafes and pubs to source their food only from British producers, according to Farming UK. The interim CEO of the National Beef Association said that this will be a way of showing the country's appreciation to those who have worked tirelessly to feed the nation, and if the government were to apply some pressure to pubs and restaurants, the farms will benefit from the extra funding. Let's move to Ireland, where Dara Kaliri has been appointed as the new agricultural minister after his predecessor, Barry Cowan, was sacked from the role this week after refusing a request by Tisho Michael Martin to face questions on his drink-driving record. 
In Poland, Andrzej Duda repeated the success of the first round of presidential election. In Sunday voting, he received over 10 million votes and will remain president for the second term. The incumbent president was unrivaled among farmers. And lastly, according to the Italian Millers Association, the national production of durum wheat this year fell by 2.5% compared to 2019. In particular, the output of the leading producer, uh, Puglia region, has contracted by a quarter due to the drought. The government is establishing a durum wheat fund that will allocate 10 million every year in the next three years to cope with the contraction in the cereal sector, sector production. And we have a guest this week, uh, Anna Afonso, leader of the Emerging Risks team in the CLEFSA project, launched by the European Food Safety Agency in 2018, which aims to describe a methodology for characterizing the possible effects of climate change on emerging risks in the food safety area. Let's hear what she said. Climate change is a relevant driver for emerging risks. While a broad range of forward-looking studies and reports examine the impact of climate change on food security, future challenges for food and feed safety, plant and animal health, and nutritional quality are usually not investigated in depth. Food safety is relevant to food security. EFSA recently completed the CLEFSA project climate change and the emerging risks for food safety. A report on the project was published on the 25th of June. Combining driver analysis with other methodologies such as citizen engagement, expert knowledge elicitation and literature searches to detect a wide array of weak signals related to food safety that are driven by climate change. A methodology for characterizing emerging risks accounting for uncertainty was also developed. Thanks to that, we can assess which issues are more likely to emerge than others or will have the biggest impact. Crowdsourcing exercise conducted to 606 signals that were characterized by 60 experts from a wide range of knowledge and areas of expertise across international organizations. 129 issues were characterized. Climate change is likely to drive the emergence of new risks, increase the exposure or the susceptibility to known risks, and change the levels of micronutrients and macronutrients in food and feed items. If you want to know more, consult IFSA website or join us for the web info session on the 8th of October 2020. Upcoming events include on the 17th of July, DigiENA is holding an online workshop on reducing methane emissions, opportunities and barriers in waste and agriculture through biogas production. On the 20th of July, EU Agriculture and Fisheries Ministers will hold their first council meeting under the German Presidency. This will also be the first physical meeting since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. On the 22nd of July, 
Agriculture and Progress are holding a webinar on plant protection, innovative cultivation and production and sustainability, the challenges in practice which decision makers need to understand. So that's all from us this week and all from us for a little while because we won't be back until after the summer now. So make sure you tune in back in September when we are back with the Agri-Food Brief and the Agri-Food Podcast and we hope that you all have an enjoyable summer break. I'm Natasha Foote. Thanks for listening. See you in September. This podcast is part of Euractiv's project Beyond Agriculture, funded by the IMCAP program of the European Union. The content of this podcast represents the views of the author only and is his, her, sole responsibility. The European Commission does not accept any responsibility for use that may be made of the information it contains.